，享受工作，乐生活。就算不在办公室，也能从容应对线上会议。HP Dragonfly 透过专业的 HP Presence 设计，内建降噪及会议快速键，搭配清晰的 Ben and Offson 音效，增强音讯及视讯功能。HP Dragonfly 顶级商务笔电，采用 Windows 11专业版。让您在会议中享有最佳的视觉和听觉品质。And first, I will thank you, and、um, our major supervisory body, and、uh, Doctor and、um, Zhang Zhengshan. He is the Director General of the Security. And、uh, today、uh, is a great honor to invite our three sexy friends. And we have Laura, and we have、uh, Emily, and Sam. I think that we are all good friends. And、uh, today, and、uh, thank you all to make a special presentation for our foundation. We'll talk a bit more throughout this presentation on how the ISSB will begin to simplify the disclosure landscape.、Um, but in particular, on this slide, you can see how the ISSB is starting to consolidate the alphabet soup. That you may have heard that term before—the many different、um, acronyms and frameworks that are out there—by、um, bringing together sustainability disclosure standards. And frameworks that address investors' interests, both cross-industry and industry-based information. Today, I'm going to take you through the financial sector very briefly, and I just want to illustrate the purpose of industry specificity、um, in determining what is financially material, decision useful, and cost-effective for the various industries within the financial sector, and just to. To take a step back, these include asset management and custody activities, commercial banks, consumer finance, insurance, investment banking and brokerage, mortgage finance, and security、um, and commodity exchanges. So those are、uh, in internet and media services, which are large、uh, consumer-facing public internet platforms like Facebook and Google. Uh, there's the software industry, which is、uh, bundled together with the、uh, IT services industry and consulting.、Uh, you have hardware, which is、uh, sounds like making devices, but actually is really just a design industry. The hardware companies are the ones who actually just design the devices and tell other companies how to build them. As、uh, Chairperson mentioned,、uh, the according to S1 and S2 published by ISSB.、Uh, The ESG information is required to be disclosed, including its、uh, components, as its financial reports. And at the same time, which is quite challenging for the preparers,、uh, such as on the、uh, data collection, a lack of、uh, house in-house expertise, etc. So, from from your point of view, how do regulators facilitate the adoption of the、uh, sustainability standards or the、uh, ESG information?、Uh, Framework.、Uh, that is my question. Thanks. And our advice is to please provide public comment、uh, to the ISSB with those concerns.、Um, again, these are exposure drafts. This is the type of feedback that we need in order to inform the standards so that we can make them applicable、um, and achievable.
uh, when it comes to jurisdictional adoption. Taiwan's top trade negotiator John Deng and Deputy U.S. Trade Representative Sarah Bianchi have announced the launch of the U.S.-Taiwan Initiative on 21st Century Trade. The initiative is touted as a major break, trade breakthrough for Taiwan and the U.S. and as an opportunity for Taiwanese businesses to expand their global reach. Deng says the initiative could pave the way for a bilateral trade agreement down the line. After decades of waiting, Taiwan and the U.S. have finally made a major breakthrough on trade and economic relations. On June 1st, Minister Without Portfolio John Deng and Deputy U.S. Trade Representative Sarah Bianchi held a video conference to announce the launch of the U.S.-Taiwan Initiative on 21st Century Trade. The two sides will hold their first face-to-face -face talks in Washington in late June. I've been waiting for this for 30 years. We wanted to use a mechanism for negotiations to establish a close relationship with the U.S. The initiative covers 11 trade areas, including trade facilitation, regulatory practices, agriculture, anti-corruption measures, small and medium-sized enterprises, digital trade, worker-centric trade, environment, standardization, state-owned enterprises and non-market strategies. Deng says that the initiative could pave the way for the US and Taiwan to sign a bilateral trade agreement. The initiative's focus will be using an approach like stacking building blocks to promote the negotiation of an agreement. It covers all the important elements of a regional trade agreement. When the time is ripe, we will have an opportunity to complete in a very short time a Taiwan-U.S. free trade agreement, which we all have been hoping for. This is tantamount to a stepping stone. After it opens up Taiwan-U.S. trade, we will have an advantageous position in trade and economic relations with other economies and nations, especially in the area of automated customs clearance and tariffs. We had been looking forward to this for 20 or 30 years. More than 70% of the machine tool industry is export-oriented. If the advantages outweigh the disadvantages, we should actively negotiate with the U.S. Although industry has high expectations, the 11 fields cover a vast range of items, leading politicians from the pro-KMT blue camp to criticise the initiative for having no specific content. In response, experts have come forth to refute their claims. Given the degree in which Taiwan and the U.S. are promoting small and medium-sized enterprises, in terms of volume, Taiwan is absolutely benefiting more than the U.S. With our current position in the global supply chain, I don't think we need to worry too much about being oppressed by the U.S. Taiwan and the U.S. have launched the initiative, which could be a warm-up before signing a bilateral trade agreement. Industry representatives say they look forward to such an agreement being signed to enjoy lower tariffs and a big boost to competitiveness. Reports say more military cooperation between Taiwan and the U.S. could be soon to come. That's based on a comment made by U.S. Senator Tammy Duckworth earlier this week during, the vi during her Taiwan visit. Uh, sitting with Taiwan's premier, Duckworth suggested further cooperation between the U.S. National Guard and Taiwan's All-Out Defense Mobiliz Mobilization Agency.
We have a good discussion today about the uh, All Out Defense uh, uh, Agency and the National Guard uh, Partnership for Peace Program. But I also hope we can discuss economic cooperation as well. The National Guard itself is very powerful. Their Air Force has about the same combat capabilities as the regular Army. For example, the National Guard has F-22 and F-35 fighter jets. When it comes to strengthening Taiwan's combat power, there are many areas that could be considered. For instance, adjustments to the mobilisation system, matters related to combat training, reforms in weaponry and equipment. All things related to combat training because the National Guard has actually experienced combat. During her Taiwan visit, Senator Duckworth had brought up the proposed Taiwan Partnership Act, which calls for cooperation between the National Guard and Taiwan. The act aims to create a partnership to ensure integration between the two forces for speedy defense deployment in the event of a crisis. Experts say such cooperation could be of substantive help to Taiwan's military. Well, on the eve of the Dragon Ball Festival long weekend, President Tsai Ing-wen paid a visit to the 66th Marine Brigade and the National Defense Medical Center. There she gave out bonuses to thank soldiers for standing on the line of duty while others were uh, enjoying their holiday. Tsai also inspected weaponry needed for asymmetrical warfare with China, including portable Stinger missile systems, Javelin missile systems, and uh, including the portable uh, indigenous Kestrel rocket launchers. Guided by the troops, Tsai even put a Kestrel rocket launcher on her shoulder and took aim, uh, commenting on how the weapon was lightweight and easy to operate. Most people are preparing to relax over the upcoming three-day Dragon Boat Festival break. But for Taiwan's military, there is no holiday. On the eve of the break, President Tsai Ing-wen paid a visit to the 66th Marine Corps and the National Defence Medical Centre's Institute of Preventative Medicine to boost morale. Tsai gave the troops bonuses to thank them for their hard work. The President was particularly interested in Taiwan's Kestrel anti-armour shoulder-held rocket launcher, which has been developed by the National Zhongshan Institute of Science and Technology. It was not enough for President Tsai to look at it. She also had a go holding it. <laughs> Under the guidance of the troops, President Tsai held the weapon on her shoulder and was taught how to operate it. <laughs> After experiencing the rocket's weight on her shoulder, the Kestrel won full marks from President Tsai. Is it heavy? No, I'm just testing its weight. It's fully manoeuvrable, so it can be used in a combat range of 400 metres. The Kestrel is developed and manufactured by the National Zhongshan Institute of Science and Technology. It is the main anti-tank weapon used by Taiwan's land army on active duty. It is designed as a single-shot disposable launcher. It can be discarded after use, without the risk of enemies taking it and using it for themselves. 
In addition to Kestrel rocket launches, the President also inspected Javelin anti-tank missile systems and Stinger surface-to-air missile systems. Altogether, these weapons are critical for Taiwan's asymmetric combat power. Taiwan's armory has also produced T-108 sniper rifles with an effective range of 1,000 metres, which were unveiled to the media for the first time on Thursday. Aside from the weaponry, the troops commanding officer was also the focus of attention. As a female commanding officer, during my life and during training, I am always with my troops. I don't think this is connected to my gender. Of course, it is my honour to be a captain and a commanding officer. The 66th Marine Corps is responsible for defending Taiwan's political and economic centre in the north. It has a heavy responsibility of defending Taiwan's political leaders from Chinese attacks. Despite this, the soldiers had high morale and demonstrated determination to guard their country. The Petrov Piano is a Czech national treasure. The first one was constructed 158 years ago by Antonin Petrov. Under Czechoslovakia's communist regime, the Petrov family underwent many hardships, but today they lead the largest producer of grand pianos in Europe. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang visited the Petrov Piano Factory in Prague to learn the history of the family business and how Petrov pianos are made. We start the tour in the milling room where workers cut wood. Each piano is made of more than 7,000 pieces. The trees used in them are sourced from the Czech Republic, Ukraine, and Italy. Trees are spruce, beech, or maple that are at least 80 years old. The most important things in the pianos uh, is, for example, material, which is very important construction of the piano itself and then, as you could see we need a very skilled workers who can uh, build the pianos and do a lot of uh, handwork which we do here in Petrov and we are trying to produce uh, most of the components uh, ourselves and as you could see uh, about 80% of the production on some pianos is made by hand. At the metal shop, the cast frames are manually sanded with meticulous care. It takes eight hours to install piano keys for a regular piano and three days for a grand piano. To achieve the right sound, workers adjust the density of the felts using hammers to strike the strings to produce a brighter tone. During the process, uh, one of the most important things about the Petrov sound is the voicing itself. Uh, you could see it takes a very long time and it's very uh, difficult and demanding job uh, for the workers. You have to hear very well and you need to have a lot of experience to know how to work with the single hammerheads. The Petrov family business was founded in 1864 by Antonin Petrov. Susan Petrov, the current president of the Petrov company, represents the family's fifth generation. She says that over the decades, some of the production methods have changed, but their work ethic and determination to make their pianos by hand has remained the same. So our company uh, will be 160 years old in two years. Uh, my great-great-grandfather established the company in 1864. 
and I'm the fifth generation. My daughter will be, uh, or is, already here, uh, the sixth generation. And uh, actually, uh, change, uh, time is changing, uh, but our uh, knowledge and religions uh, stay the same. We would like to um, uh, pass uh, our information to generations and we still built uh, very nice pianos with the romantic tone. Petraf is currently the largest producer of upright and grand pianos in Europe. Despite its success, the business has had its share of hardships throughout the years. Susan said 1948 was a difficult year for the Petraf factory. That was the year the Communist Party seized power. In 1948, in uh, February, our government took over the company and it was like a state company and the Czech um, family members they have no possibility to, to continue in the business again. So we, we stopped the business for 15 years and after that we after the revolution in uh, 1989, we start again the privatization process. So my father, the fourth generation, started to do privatization process for all of us. It took eight years. Another challenge was in 2020. During a visit to Taiwan in 2020, Czech Senate President Milos Vistitrol declared, I am Taiwanese, in a speech. The statement angered China, prompting a Chinese importer to cancel an order for 11 Petrov pianos worth 7 million NT. But a former Taiwanese diplomat, Mei Yang, purchased a grand piano and donated it to the Rudolfinum Concert Hall in Prague. This, uh best piano, what we have, the concert grand piano, uh, was uh, given to uh, our Czech Philharmonic Orchestra by uh, Mrs. Meising Yang, uh, which I appreciate very much because uh, it was like a, a symbol of democracy. Uh, thank you very much for that. model has a typical ivory crease piece. Pieces are really um, very good. In 2013, Ivana Petrov, who is the family's fifth generation, opened the Petrov Museum. The museum showcases pianos from different time periods. One of the oldest pianos on display was built in 1867. These uh, oldest models really have to be in a good condition and we would love to really present for next generation. So our take care of this piece are really uh, have, uh, have a good condition, which means like a humidity and also temperature. You will find some humidors are here and also some conservation, which are uh, some kind of lacquer. Also, we are using only natural materials to keep and protect the surfaces. Ivana Petrov says she hopes the museum will educate both visitors and future employees about the history of her family's company. So we opened the museum in 2013 and uh, our idea to it was to keep the heritage, so keep the knowledge for the next generation. They, they have to have some kind of information they fluently can continue in our business, our family business. The 
Petrov Piano is now in its 158th year, and the business is in the hands of the family's fifth and sixth generations. The Petrov family hopes to continue to preserve the family legacy and delight piano lovers all over the world. FGV reporter Stephanie Yang and Huang Yutun in the Czech Republic. Taiwan reported more than 76,000 local COVID cases on Thursday, a slight drop from the previous day. The CCC also reported more than 400 patients with moderate to severe COVID symptoms. There were also 144 COVID-related deaths, including that of a nine-year-old boy. Let's hear from the CCC. The nine-year-old boy was born with hiatal hernia, but the condition was fixed with surgery. Besides that, he had no history of chronic illness. On May 28th, he began vomiting. The next day in the afternoon, his family found him speaking incoherently and not fully conscious about one hour before he was sent to the hospital. They called 119 for an ambulance to take him to the hospital. By the time he arrived at the hospital, he was showing no signs of life. Medics administered 30 minutes of emergency resuscitation to no effect. His PCR COVID test came back positive, so he was confirmed as a COVID case. The CCC says the spread of COVID will likely slow down moving forward, resulting in smaller daily case tallies. At present, infections seem to be trending down in the north, whereas in the south, they are trending somewhat up. Officials say a turnaround in the situation could come after more than 10% of the population is infected, thanks to the natural immunity in recovered patients. The Transport Ministry has announced that a $5.5 billion NT subsidy program for the tourism sector will launch ahead of schedule on July 15th. Originally, the program was due to start in September, but the date was moved forward amid concerns from the travel industry that despite an easing of COVID restrictions, the industry is still not picking up. The program offers up to $1,300 NT per night for non-packaged tours and up to 30,000 NT dollars per tour group. The subsidies will be available until December 15th or until funds run out. COVID restrictions on foreign travelers are still in place, but the tourism sector is ready to go. A stimulus program originally scheduled for September will be taking effect on July 15th instead. The Transport Ministry has listened to businesses in this sector. If we had to wait until September for the subsidies, it would have been very hard on us. We'd have no business over May, June, July and August. In addition, the fact that the government is launching a revitalization program means that the government expects that the pandemic will ease. But some businesses say that the launch date of mid-July still leaves a gap in coverage over June and half of July. Travel agents say they may even have to absorb costs related to customers rescheduling their travels. Many group tours have of course cancelled or rescheduled their trips due to COVID. In general, the processing fees are absorbed by the travel agency to meet expectations from the sector and the public. We brought the launch date forward to July 15th. 
Consumers who want to take advantage of the discounts will have to refer to the provisions listed on the standard contract. The $5.5 billion NT tourism subsidy program will be available from July 15th to December 15th or until the budget is spent. The Tourism Bureau will announce the relevant information online. As COVID bites back, the hospitality industry is suffering. Today we take a tour of restaurants risking it all to stay afloat. A family favorite in Pingdong is offering what seems like a crazy deal. All-you-can-eat black skipjack tuna. The pricey fish is tempting many customers out of their front doors, and we visit a hot pot restaurant dangling equally outrageous bargains. A fleet of plates lands on the table. The black skipjack just keeps on coming. However hungry you are, you can eat your fill for the same reasonable price. One plate features seven slices of tuna, which would normally cost about 200 NT. If you eat four or more, you've caught a bargain. This Pingdong eatery used to pride itself on all-you-can-eat giant freshwater prawn. Now, the black skipjack is all-you-can-eat, too. And the customers are even happier. Losses? I hadn't really thought about that. The pandemic is so bad now, and mainly I wanted to help the fishermen promote their fish. As a business owner, I also have to safeguard the livelihood of my staff. Another business treading water amid this wave of COVID is this hot pot restaurant. There are big discounts on the menu's top items, and customers can even take hot pot ingredients away with them to cook up at home. Our turnover has been hit by about 60% or 70%. We're doing our best to hang in there because for us, our staff are really our responsibility. COVID has forced many restaurants out of business, but those that can still struggle on are pulling out the stops to keep their income up. Well, Dragon Boat Festival is expected to see hot and humid weather in many parts of the island, with highs of at least 31 degrees, forecasters say. Afternoon thunderstorms are expected in the north, east and mountainous regions, and on Saturday and, sa uh, Saturday and Sunday there may be localized lightning storms in central and southern Taiwan. Forecasters say more unstable weather could come after the long weekend. Lightning strikes lit up the sky of the coast of Hualien on Wednesday evening amid a rise in temperatures and strong convective currents. The Central Weather Bureau says that the weather over the Dragon Boat Festival long weekend will be hot and muggy. On Friday, northern Taiwan, eastern Taiwan, and mountainous areas nationwide will see afternoon thunder showers. On Saturday and Sunday, more water vapor will reach Taiwan, resulting in localized thunderstorms in central and southern Taiwan. After the long weekend, a front will approach Taiwan, bringing unstable weather. All over Taiwan, there will be localized showers or lightning storms. We estimate that the western half could see heavy downpours. When the front is overhead, we're likely to see more intense weather, such as brief heavy showers, lightning strikes and strong wind gusts. 
In related news, the Freeway Bureau says it expects the heaviest road congestion on Dragon Boat Festival on Friday. Tolls will be charged at a flat rate over the three days over the long weekend, with toll-free travel between midnight and 5 a.m. on each day. On Saturday and Sunday, high occupancy vehicle restrictions will be imposed on northbound traffic on Freeway No. 5. The Bureau advises travelers to avoid peak traffic periods.